shame. The one thing no one wants to talk about in life. And uh, we talked about Adam and Eve a little bit. And, you know, when God, God was going to make Adam and Eve, he, he went to Adam. He went to Adam because he made Adam first. You know, Eve, Eve was later. And he said, Adam, he said, I'm going to make you a woman. And Adam said, what's a woman, Lord? He said, well, she's going to be perfect in all of her ways. He said, I'm going to make her so that she waits on you. She takes care of you. She cooks for you. She cleans for you. She's going to be perfect in every single way. And Adam said, well, Lord, what's that going to cost me? He said, well, an arm and a leg. And Adam said, well, what can I get for a rib? And the rest is history. <laughs> I know, that was bad. I just That's one of my oldest favorite jokes, and I had to share it. But so we talked about Adam and Eve, and we talked about how they were in the garden, and they were, they were naked, but they felt no shame. Then we see a couple scriptures later how they're in the garden, and they've eaten from the one thing that God told them not to eat from, not to even touch, and they eat it, and it says they knew they were naked. But in other words, not only did they know they were naked, but we could say that they were ashamed. It's the first place we see that people are operating in a spirit of shame. And we talk about how shame causes you to hide from God. God, shame causes you to want to be away from God. Shame, shame also causes you to be afraid. See, because a spirit of fear and a spirit of shame, they run hand in hand. They're, they're buddies. And, and they, they cause problems in your life. And so we talked about all that. And, and we talked about how good God was, how he could have ran into the garden and said, Adam, boy. Where are you at? He didn't do none of that. He walked in the cool of the evening, and he just walked through the garden. And he said, where am I? Because he still loved them. That didn't change. His heart for them had not changed. Sure, there was probably some disappointment. He knew what they had done before he came into the garden. He didn't charge in. He said, where are you? And then we see a few verses later where where God actually made them clothes from animal skin to clothe them and to take care of them because he loved them. And here we see the, the true heart of a father. You know, there's, there's times where I'm disappointed in my children, but I still love them enough. I still want the best for them. I still want to clothe them. I still want to provide for them. No matter what has happened, I want to take care of them because that's a father's heart. And we, we serve a good God who, who, who loves us with all of his heart. And he just wants the best for us. But in order for him to give us our best, there's some things that we have to do in life. So today, my, my, the title of my sermon is, What Do You Purpose? And you might say, well, Pastor, what, are, are you talking about what is my purpose? Or, or what is God's purpose for my life? No, I'm not. I'm talking about what do you purpose. Open with me to Daniel. Gary, would you bring me a water? We'll start at the beginning of Daniel. I want to set the stage here. Now, the book of Daniel is about Daniel and his buddy, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, 
These are four guys, and they're being held captive in Babylon. They're from Judea, and uh, they weren't they weren't raised to be in Babylon. They weren't built to be in Babylon. Uh, they didn't know any of the Chaldean language or any of their ways. Um, but Judea has been protected for many years by Egypt. And all of a sudden, Egypt has been taken over and held captive and uh, has lost the battle to King Nebuchadnezzar and uh, to the Chaldeans and to the Babylon. And so Babylon is taken over. And so Babylon goes in and they take over Judea and they take young Jewish men out of their home, away from their parents. They take the finest in all the land, the finest of the, the young men in all the land without blemish, and they take them and they hold them captive and they take them prisoner into their land. And uh, they're, they're treated better than prisoners. They're, they're treated almost as if they're royalty. But they brought them there to learn the way of the Chaldeans, to learn the language, to, to read and to study and, and to help the king rule over Judea because there, there was a language barrier there. There's, there's barriers in their life. And so these young men are brought in to help span those barriers for King Nebuchadnezzar and to help him rule over Judea. You can, now, taking the fact that he has one purpose, and that's to rule over Judea. So these guys are pawns. And, uh, you know, when you're a pawn, you can be dispersed of pretty easily. So er every day that you're in the, the king's house and you're serving underneath the king, there's certain pressures that these young men are under to do what's right or they could be killed. Uh, back in that day, they didn't play around. If you, you didn't do what the king liked or, or you made him mad in any way, he just sent you out and uh, you were done away with. And it was pretty plain and simple. And so these guys have some pressure on them. So let's start in Daniel 1, 3 through 20. The king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the noble young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand. That sounds like they were looking for me, doesn't it? who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those, the sons of Judea, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, to them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar. Now, I think Daniel came out the best that day. You know, Belshazzar. Doesn't sound bad, does it? You know, Daniel wasn't a bad name, but Belshazzar, you know, that sounds pretty cool. And um, sounds like he needs a robe and a crown and the whole nine yards. And, um, but the other guys, I think they might have got the short end of the stick. There's Hananiah, who they called Shadrach. It's not too bad. Michelle, Meshach. And Azariah, Abednego. And uh, the rest of these guys, their names were kind of messed up to begin with. But Daniel had a good name. Most people, when you talk about the Bible, they talk about Daniel in the lion's den. Or they talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those are the two lessons that we learn from. They're real two similar, they're two similar lessons. But these four guys all hang out together. 
They're all in the same place at the same time, going through the same pressures together. And they all have certain standards that, 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 that they're not going to allow anyone, anyone to bend or to break. They, they have standards in their life. You know, we as a church and we as Christians have to have standards that we stand up to. Um, I'm not a very political person. I don't spout my politics from the podium. I don't talk about which candidates I like or don't like. I don't do a lot of that. But I will tell you this, I am a, I am a one-issue voter. And that issue for me is abortion. I will not vote to kill an innocent baby or an innocent girl. I just, that is my standard of where I draw the line. And in life, we all have standards of which we draw lines. And for every person out here, now if you, you vote on that, on that side of the, of the fence, I'm a, you know, it's, it's your choice. You can vote any way you want. That's what the great thing about America is. So it makes us the land of the free, the home of the proud, the home of the brave. That's what makes America great. But for me, I have certain standards in my life that I'm not going to bend, and I'm not going to bow to, and I'm not going to break. I've purposed in my heart that I will serve God no matter what. And I want to read this next verse. It says, but Daniel, say this word with me, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Now, Daniel had standards. Daniel said, where I'm from, we don't eat these things. Where I'm from, I know they're good. I know they go. Uh, they're not kosher, though. It's not, it's not what I would do. It's not what I would eat. And it's not what my God says is acceptable for my life. So many times in life, we allow the delicacies of the world to ruin the reign our position. We, we, we eat from stuff that we shouldn't partake in. And I'm not talking about food here. I'm talking about there's little things in life. Well, you know what? That, that won't hurt me, really. That, that, won't, that, won't, that won't really mess with me that, that much. And, you know, I can do it one time. Or I can, I can do this one time. And we partake of the little delicacies of life. The little things of life. But there comes a place where you have to not worry about what your purpose is or, or what God's purpose is because God's more important about what do you purpose in your heart. See, these guys purposed in their heart that no matter what happened, they were going to serve the true one living God. No matter what happened, they were going to worship only their God. No matter what happened, no matter what was on the line, there was a purpose in their heart. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't break anything that the king had for them because they had a purpose set deep down in their heart. Have you purposed something that rages a fire in your soul? Have you purposed something in your life that above and beyond all else, I will serve you, God. I will make you my king. I purpose in my heart every day when I wake up that I make you Lord and God. My Bible school teacher asked me one time, how do you know that you're saved? And a lot of people in the class raised their hand. They said, 
because because I made Jesus Lord of my life. And she goes, well, that, that's good. But how do you really know you're saved? And she said, how you really know that you're saved is that you made Jesus Lord of your life today. See, it's an everyday decision. Now, now I'm not going to get into the debate on once saved, always saved, or any of that stuff. But there's, there's a place in time where you stand in the altar before God and you say, I purpose in my heart that I'm going to serve you. I purpose in my heart that I'm going to live for you. And I purpose in my heart, no matter what happens, no matter what life looks like, I will serve you, I will live for you, I will love you all the days of my life. Come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior. There's something about lordship that we forget as Christians. Because we weren't raised with kings and stuff over in England. We don't, we don't know that you're supposed to bow. We don't know all these little details about what's supposed to happen when the king walks in the room. There, there's certain details about lordship. Maybe Mr. Fred, you know, Lord Fred can fill us in. But there's some, there's some things about lordship that we don't get here in the States. Now, for y'all that don't know, uh, Mr. Fred Lanier is actually, or Brother Fred Lanier, is, is actually Lord Lanier. He's he's got a he's got a plaque and everything. He owns property over there, and, and uh, he so when you see him, say how you doing, Lord Lanier. <laughs> Take good care of him. He he's one of our he's our oldest member of this church, and one of my favorite members of this church. Give him a hand. I love him. I love him with all of my heart. It makes it makes my whole day when I see Fred. And his beautiful wife walked through the door that he's loved for so many years. But they decided in their heart, no matter what, we're going to serve God. See, having a relationship with Jesus is more than just saying a one-time prayer. It, it's, about, it's about lordship and saying, Lord, I purpose in my heart that above all else, I'm going to serve you. Above all else, I'm going to love you. And said, so... They would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should you see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king, the eunuchs told him. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hanai, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearances be examined before you and the appearances of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner, and he tested them for ten days. How many of you know at the end of the 10 days, they look better than all the rest of the crowd? In fact, it said, now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and amongst all, none were found like Daniel, Hanai, Michelle, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, all the astrologers, and everyone else that was in his realm. They were found better than all the others. 
How many of you know that when you purpose in your heart to put God first, that He elevates you? That He takes care of you? These guys were brought in. They were brought, look, it says above all the rest. There was more than just the four that were brought from Judea. They brought just more than four guys. But you know, we only read about four. Four go down in history for all time. The most famous book in the world. Four made it. Because four purposed in their heart that above all else, I'm going to serve you. Above all else, I'm going to walk with you. Above all else, I don't care what the king says. I don't care what the eunuch says. I don't care what anybody says. They can, they can end my life right now because I've purposed in my heart. Above all else, God, you are first. Above all else, I'm going to walk in your ways. I'm going to walk in your ordinary principles. I'm going to walk in your precepts, Father, above all else. Because they had a purpose in their heart. And how many know when you have a purpose in your heart, then God's purpose comes out. And when you have a purpose in your heart, then you can walk in the purpose he has for your life. And you'll have more purpose than you ever dreamed of in your life. When you purpose in your heart to put him first. There's certain things when you, when you purpose in your heart. First of all, they found favor. Next, they had goodwill. Number three, they were like me. They looked better than everyone else. Hey, look, I got Pastor Jim, so I don't know what y'all laughing at. <laughs> they had knowledge and skill. They had wisdom. They had understanding of visions and dreams. And they were ten times better than anyone else. Women, this is what you need to look for in a man. All the single ladies, this is what you ought to be looking for. You ought to be looking for guys that have favor, that have goodwill, they, they, they look better than everybody else, they got wisdom, they got understanding, they have vision in their life, they have a dream for their life. Don't go dating some guy that don't have a job, don't have no vision, don't have no purpose in his life. Don't do that. God's got better plans for you. But if you want a God that's got all those things, you've got to find a God that has a purpose in his heart, deep down in his heart, that no matter what, he's going to serve God. <coughs> the story continues with the king having dreams that none of his guys could interpret. But there's this one kid named Daniel who knew God. And he, the king's about to kill his sorcerers. He's about to kill his, his wise men. He's about to kill a bunch of people because nobody can interpret his dream. And his dream is bugging Nebuchadnezzar. How many know sometimes when you have bad dreams going on in your life, it's because there's bad things going on in your life. Nebuchadnezzar did, had, his, had, his, had his whole world out of order. And, and he's afraid because of all these things that are happening. And, and nobody can tell him what's going on. But this one kid who wouldn't bend, who, who, this one kid who, who, who won't eat of the king's delicacies, this one kid, this one kid says, hey, I can tell him what's going on. One kid. And in 
Daniel 2.27-28, it says, Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, and magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secrets. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. You know, if you, you want to know what your mission is, first you have to be a king. You want to know what your, your mission is, you need to know who the revealer of secrets is. You want to know what the purpose for your heart and your life is. So many people, so many young people today, we want to know why our younger generation, our, our, our millennials wander around. They don't actually get jobs until they're 30, 32 years old. And why they can't find out what the purpose for their life is, is because as a country, we took prayer out of school. As a country, we decided, you know what, uh, we don't, we're not going to purpose in our hearts to serve God no more. We kind of wipe him off. We're going to leave God as a token on the currency, but everything else we're going to take him out of it. That's why, that's why these young people can't find their way. Because they don't have purpose because they don't know that they should have, what, what do I purpose in my heart? They don't know Jesus. We have a lost generation. Uh, when I was doing stats about Angleton before I moved here, uh, 60% of this town does not go to church anywhere. 60%. 60% don't know God. Don't walk in anywhere on Sunday morning. That same 60% will be the 60% of young people who wonder what their future is and what their job is. Now, we got some great young people on our pews here today. And they've got jobs, and they know what their future is. They know what their purpose in life is because they're in the house of God. But we have young people that don't know purpose. We have, we, have, we have young people that don't have vision in their life. And they don't know what the secrets are that God has for their life because they've never been able to tap in to the one who is the revealer of secrets. There's but one. We, we wonder why there's a show on TV about a lady who, who, who reads fortunes. And it's so popular because people want the supernatural. People want that in their life. People, people want to know what their future is. So badly they want to know what's happening next. They, they want to know all these things. But, but like Daniel says here, it applies to today. There is one God in heaven who reveals secrets. And if you want to know the secrets of your life of what truly God has for you, you have to know the revealer of secrets. I encourage you as a church, support those guys, these young people in our church who, who have jobs that work different things. And uh, If you're going to buy a car, Je Jerry's going to a new Chevrolet dealership in Lake Jackson. What's the name of it? Neil Martin. If you've got a car and you need it worked on, bring it over there. Come to the service department. See Jerry. If you need a bank, Victor runs Wells Fargo in Danbury. Go, go see Victor. Go bank with Wells. Let's support our guys that are here in the house of God. Let's make sure we're supporting those people that are around us who, who have jobs here locally and make our economy thrive. Let's make sure that, that, that somebody that knows the revealer of secrets is dealing with my money. That somebody that knows the revealer of secrets is, is dealing with my car. I don't want somebody that don't know the secrets of what's going on with my motor. I don't know about you. I want to make sure it's fixed the first time. I'm going to take it to Jerry because Jerry's going to make sure I get the best care I can get. And we take care of those who are around us. We take care of those. If you need honey, make sure it has the stamp on it with 
with Victor's lovely wife's family name on it. And my mind just went blank, and now I'm going to eat crow. <laughs> I, I know your last name, Rochelle, but I can't, I, I mean, your, your last name's now Lazo. I can't think of your maiden name now. It, it's, skip, it's skipping my head now that you're married. What's your family's name? Burhook. Make sure your honey says Burhook on it. Good Christian people making honey right in Danbury. Eat lo- support your local honey guys. Support people who, who are of your camp and who you are. Look, these four young men, they stuck together. They stuck together. They went through different trials at different times together. That's why we read two separate stories. But the stories all have the same outcome. They all have the same, the same residual effects. The deal was these guys knew that they purposed in their heart that they were going to love God. We have to purpose in our heart that we're going to love God. You know, I love that story, that old, that old children's story, Humpty Dumpty. Y'all remember Humpty Dumpty? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Y'all know it? Say it with me. Humpty Dumpty took a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. They were looking to king's men that had no secrets. They were looking to the king's men that couldn't reveal nothing. See, if they'd have called on the king of kings, Humpty Dumpty probably been fixed. We'd had a different ending in that story. But they didn't, they didn't do that. They went to the king's, all the king's men. Couldn't do nothing for poor Humpty Dumpty. Now we got to listen to him about him forevermore. Because Humpty Dumpty never got fixed. Go to somebody that can reveal the secrets in your life. If you've got some stuff that you need, you need God to do for you, you need to find somebody that's a prayer warrior that can pray with you. Somebody that knows what vision should look like. Somebody knows what purpose in your life should look like. Grab a hold of those kind of people. Get them in your life. They set Daniel up. They set Shadrach and Meshach up. They, they, they set all these poor guys up. They knew that the only thing they could get these guys on, the king's purpose was to put Daniel over everything. He was going to make him ruler over his entire empire. He liked Daniel so much. And then they bring Daniel up, and they say, Daniel won't do this because he won't, he's, he's not going to do what you've called him to do. And they set him up, and we're going to read it. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. You know, even the king knew that Daniel's God was real. You know, certain things happen when, when, when you're serving God. Key things happen. It says after, after the amount of time they rolled the stone away that the king had put his seal on, Daniel didn't have a scratch on him. Then the same thing happens with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Same thing happens with those guys. They won't bend before this huge statue. And they, so they fire up the, the, the furnace a hundred times hotter. and It burns up the guards that are throwing them in the fire. It's so hot. It, it burns up and kills the guards. But yet, they get to see him walk into the fire. And there's a fourth thing that happens. God was with them in the fire. 
See, when you purpose in your heart to serve him and to put him first, he goes through it with you. Don't think ever when you're going through a trial or you're going through something in your life, God sent the angels and came right there with Daniel in the lion's den. Angels shut the lion's mouth up that day. Couldn't touch him, couldn't hurt him, couldn't even look at him with the angel out slapping him beside him. The angel took care of Daniel in the lion's den. When you're going through something, the, the, the God, the Lord of hosts, he has his angels with you, and he's there in the midst, right there walking through the fire with you, wanting to help you, but you have to have a purpose. You have to purpose in your heart that no matter what, you're going to serve him. No matter what it looks like, you're going to follow him. And when you do that, and God knows that no matter what, these guys won't bend, they won't bow, they won't break, nothing will stop them from serving their God. And when that happens, God protects you. He takes care of you. Key things that kept them safe. They refused to be defiled. Daniel didn't know all these visions. He went back with, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He went back with them and prayed. And God gave him, gave him, the, gave him the vision of what Nebuchadnezzar was seeing. And then after he gave it to Nebuchadnezzar and he was right, he praised God. Are we praising God? Are we thanking God? Or are we asking him to reveal the secrets that we long to hear and see? come to the point that you don't care about your purpose or your destiny, but you put your ultimate faith in what you care about, that's when God can touch you or do something. It, your, your purpose is the why. My friend Dr. Dr. Phil Brassfield talks about the why and the what. Your, your why has to be more important than the what. You have to know the why in order to figure out your life. Let's watch this video. Actually, played it the night knocked out, and I love it. Buster Douglas got knocked out. Nobody ever got knocked out by Mike Tyson and ever got back up. It was almost a 10 count. I, he was stumbling. They was four, three, two, one. Ding, ding, ding. Saved by the bell. He goes to his corner. The whole world is like, oh, that's it. Once he comes back out, that's it. Mike's going to just hammer him. And exactly that, Mike Tyson came out like, I got him. I got this kid up against the rope. Listen to me, many of you right now, life's got you up against the rope. You can't give up. You can't give in. Listen to me, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And if life's got you backed up, I need you to do what Buster Douglas did. Buster Douglas started fighting back. Whoa, was shot. <gasps> Goliath has been knocked down. What happened? And they went to Buster Douglas and they asked Buster Douglas simply, like, what happened? And Buster Douglas said, listen to me, it's real simple. Before my mother died, she told the whole world that I was going to beat Mike Tyson. And two days before the fight, my mother died. Buster Douglas had, he had a decision to make. When his mother died, he could die with his mother, or he made a decision, I can wake up and I can live for miles. And he knocked Mike Tyson out simply because his why was greater than that punch. His why was greater than defeat. His why was greater than his trial and his tribulation. And I'm telling you, if you don't know what your why is, and your why isn't strong, you're going to get knocked out every single day. Why has got to be greater. 
Your wives got to be. Everybody knew. Mike Tyson's known. One punch, Mike. Knocks them out. He knocks them out. It's over with. It's done. No one had ever got up before in a fight when Mike Tyson knocked them down. Nobody had ever got back up off the mat. And he was saved by the bell, and he got up. But his why was greater than anything else. Look, these guys could have got down and said, this is the end. This is the end. This, this is, it, it's the end. But let's look at what, what they told, what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told King Nebuchadnezzar. I think it's in verse 17 of, of Daniel 3, 9, 9 through 18. But you look about verse 17, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, it's okay. The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up before us. See, it didn't matter what what their penalty was going to be. It didn't matter that they knew the fiery furnace was being heated up. It didn't matter that Daniel knew there was lions down on the den that hadn't eaten in months that were just waiting for him. And believe me, they were hungry because as soon as Daniel came out, they threw all those who had accused him in there, and they were gone before. It says they were gone before they hit the floor. Let me tell you something. When you know what your why is in your life, You can do anything you put your mind to. But your why has got to be greater than the what. Well, what what am I going to do? Not what are you going to do. Or, oh, what what if this happens? Or what if your why has to be greater than the what in your life? You have to know that God is my why above and beyond everything else. Why I do everything that I do is because I love you. Why that I do every step that I take is because I want to serve you more faithfully. My why has got to be greater than the what. In Exodus 9, 16, New King James, it says, But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Now you might think this is just a regular scripture. This is actually what God is saying about Pharaoh. God raised Pharaoh up so that he could show his power and his name would be proclaimed. God can raise up the evilest of men. He can raise up the evilest of of anyone in the world. Hitler was raised up. But let me tell you a secret. When you serve God, he'll raise and he'll excel you above anybody or anything or any kingdom that is in your way. When you know what your why is, your purpose has to have a why in it. Why do I go to church on Sunday? Because I want the precepts of God in my life. Why do I go to church on Sunday morning? Because I gave God everything this week. I poured my vessel out till it was empty. You know, the reason sometimes we feel stale in life is because we come back to church on Sunday morning with our vessels full. We come back with it full, and we go months at a time with our vessel full with the same wine, the same oil, 
the same things in our life, it's still full, and it becomes stagnant. And then all of a sudden you're saying, God, am I in a funk? What's going on? Why do I, why do I feel the way I feel? It's, it's because you didn't pour out during the week. If we, we take our water and we'd empty it out during the week, oh, I got the stage ready. It'll be okay. We empty it out during the week. Now I'm thirsty. But praise God, I come to church thirsty. Because, see, there's some, I know what my why is. There's some people that needed to hear my why during the week. It says we overcome by our testimony. When's the last time you gave it? When's the last time you reached somebody for Jesus? When's the last time you led through? Well, I don't know how to lead somebody through the center prayer. It's easy, ABC. It's what we do with the kids. You tell them, you got to admit you're a sinner. You got to believe Jesus died for you. You need to confess with your mouth to be saved. That's what the Bible says. You take them through the ABCs. You show them Jesus. And then you come back empty because you gave everything you had to God during the week. You poured it all out. You left it all on the line. There ain't, I don't want a drop left in here, Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. Because my why is greater than the what. Well, what if, what if they tell me they don't want to know Jesus? What if they do? You still gave them an opportunity. Well, what if, what if, what if somebody, somebody at work says something that he's a holy roller? What if? Who cares? My why anyway is that I serve him no matter what. My why is Jesus is more important than anything else. So what if they call me a holy? What if they say I'm crazy? What if? Who cares? Because my why is greater than my what. got to come in empty. Let Jesus fill you up fresh every single week. You ought to be saying, man, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get there Sunday morning. Why do I go to church every Sunday? Because I need to get refilled. Why do I go to church every Sunday? Because I'm going to praise my king no matter what anybody says. Why am I going to press through the time change even though I lost an hour? Oh, Lord, whoever invented that, Lord, help them. Last night, we're sitting, sitting in the chair. I told Karen, I said, babe, it's only 10 o'clock. Let's go to bed early and get a jump on things. And, and we can uh, get a jump start on our sleep. And we can go to sleep. And, and we can just dream, wake up refreshed, ready to go to church in the morning. She looked at me and said, she said, sweetie, it's 11 o'clock. I said, Lying devil, <laughs> I got up mad, <laughs> went, to, went to my chair, <laughs> said, Lord, help me. It's one of those weekends. I done forgot. And uh, so went to bed, not so early. By the time I got to sleep, it was about 1130. And, uh, but the deal is, my why doesn't matter what time change. I'm going to be at church. Look, when I wasn't a pastor, I was at church on Sunday morning no matter what. My kids know you don't ask mom and dad if you're going to church on Sunday morning. Like, what if I don't feel good, Daddy? I don't care. You're going to church, son. When did, when did this whole parental shift change that we let our, we ask our kids what they want to do? My daddy never asked me anything I wanted to do in life. I got told, you go in here and you go in there. 
If I said a word, Lord forbid, I think I got some new teeth somewhere because of that. But I'm telling you what, because my, my family's why, it was bred into me, the why we go to church, why we do what we do. Because we purposed in our heart, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We purposed in our hearts from the day me and Pastor Jennifer got married that we'd never get divorced no matter how mad she gets at me, how stupid I act. Because we love each other. We purpose in our heart to love each other. You know why marriages fail? People don't purpose in their heart to love each other. No matter what. You know why we fail in this, in this country? We don't purpose in our heart to serve God. When we purpose in our heart, and the why becomes greater than the what's, then God can move and do things. Psalms 57, 2-3, it says, I cry out to the God most high, to the God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. And it says this cute little word, Salah. You know what Salah means? Pause, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. It's time to reflect. It's time to meditate. That's what that means. The writer here says, hold on, let's pause. Let's meditate. And what does he say, let's meditate on? I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose. See, it's not about our purpose. It's about his purpose. But his purpose gets fulfilled when we make him, make him our main purpose. And we say, Father, I make it my purpose to serve you above and beyond all else. Psalms 138 says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. With his steadfast love, O Lord, your love endures forever. Proverbs 19.21 says, For many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 25-7 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water. Is your purpose like deep water? Is it way down in there? But do you have enough understanding to draw it out from there? Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man is his honor. The righteous who walks with integrity is blessed are his children after him. I want my children after me to be blessed. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my mouth be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty or void. When you purpose something in your heart, it is continually overflowing. And what you say doesn't come back void. You either speak life or you speak death into every opportunity of your life. In Ephesians 1.5 it says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. You know what God's purpose is for us? God's purpose for us is to adopt us. Just like we talked last week, He wants to get rid of the spirit of shame out of your life. He, want, he wants to touch you. He wants to, he wants to heal you. He's a good father. He's walking in the cool of the evening breezes, saying, where are you? With his arms open wide, wanting to love you, wanting to adopt you. He predestined us before time to adopt us. 
before time, you were on his side. He wanted to adopt you. He wanted to love you. He just wants you to open up your heart and say, Father, here I am. I love you. Thank you for saving me. I confess, Lord, I'm a sinner. I admit it. I'll tell you right now, I've messed up. Things haven't always gone my way. Things haven't always gone well. I need you in my life. I believe you died on that cross. I believe on the third day you rose again to set me free. And I confess with my mouth today, Father, that you're my Lord and Savior. And you adopt me. And from that point in time in my life, I purpose in my heart to serve you. So many people say a prayer, but they never purpose in their heart to make him the Lord over everything. They never purpose in their heart that no matter what happens in life, I will serve you. And when we purpose that in our heart, good things happen from our heart. And his purpose overrides our purpose and what happens in our life. When we walk in faith, when we walk in love, when we walk in love.